going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. Reminder, use code TRIPLE when over at Underdog, and you will get a deposit match up to $100. You can use this for any of the sports over at Underdog, but if you are a first-time depositor, they will match you up to $100. Make sure you take advantage of that. It is great stuff over at Underdog Fantasy. It's the show of brotherly love tonight, as it is just me and the doc. Uh, Little Cheesecake is off in nature. Marty Party is out without power, and left your boys to just run the show tonight. Real talk, Art probably has more Wi-Fi than Marty at this point. He he called him soft, though, too, which was hilarious. (laughs) Art's the nature boy. Marty Party full-on trying to get that power back, so prayers that he gets his all his uh, electricity in order there. Doc, how was your day? What's uh, what's new in the world of Doc? You know what? Day was long. David, even if it's just you and I, Let's talk about baseball or get off topic like you and I always do. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Uh, Well, there is a lot of baseball to talk about, unlike last week where we were kind of off the all-star break with not a lot of games. So let's talk about our WOW players of the week to kick things off. And one of my favorite rookies, and I drafted him a ton this year, he is finally getting the chance, and that is Sal Freelich. His first five MLB games so far this season, a 417, 556, 667 slash line with one home run, three RBIs. He also has five walks to two strikeouts over that time, even gives you a steal. He's a career in the minor leagues, a career 314, 393, 451 hitter. And that K rate, ladies and gentlemen, 11.7% in the minor leagues. Now you hear this comparison a lot. He's like a diet Stephen Kwan. He's a guy that makes a lot of contact, a guy that's going to get on base, a guy that is usually hitting atop the Brewers lineup. The only concern right now is they did sit him against the first lefty that they faced since he had been up. So that will be something to monitor if they are going to play him against left-handed pitching. But for right now, he's going to be atop this Brewers lineup. He makes, again, a ton of contact. He had three hits in his debut, just homered in his one of his most recent games. And again, he's going to make a ton of contact, which is a great points league player. And then he will chip in some steals too to help in those roto leagues. So Sal Freelich to me is a must add. If he's out there in any type of 12 or 15 team leagues, especially points leagues, go pick up Sal Freelich immediately. He to me is the top, top waiver wire pickup of the show. Considering some of the other players we'll talk about are a little bit more rostered. David, we, I remember you and Vinny and Mike talking about him on the call up and we had talked mm-hmm. preseason. The only person that had a guaranteed roster spot in that crowded outfield was Kristen Yelich, but they, you know, tried the Jesse Winker experiment. Joey Weimer got some run there. They had Brian Anderson play a little bit. Um, so it was always kind of, open for Sal Freelich and I'm glad that he's taken advantage of it. Now it has helped with some injuries. Winker, Brian Anderson have both gotten hurt. Tyrone Taylor is underperformed, but you know, uh, Tyrone Taylor hurt. I don't think he's playing right now. I, I feel like they've always done this game with him where, you know, he, he has a couple home run games in a week, but strikes out a ridiculous amount. I mean, if they were committed to him, they would have made him an everyday player by this point. 
Again, Sal Freelick is somebody that, is, again, is starting to get added in a ton of leagues. So if he is out there in your league, he is definitely somebody you need to pick up immediately. Again, he is going to, I would expect at this point in the season, get a long, long leash with the Brewers as they've had a lot of problems with the outfielders. So Sal Freelick, definitely somebody to look at. This next player, Tristan Casas, Doc. He's somebody that's rostered a little bit more than I think usually someone we talk about in this section. Um, but over his last seven games, a 476, 593, 1,000-slash line, three home runs over that time, six walks to six strikeouts. But here's the thing with Tristan Casas. He's had multiple hits in four of his last five games, homering three times during that stretch. He has a 296 batting average with 12 homers and a 933 OPS while reaching base at a 389 clip since April 26th. So pretty much he was horrible. He hit under 200 the entire month of April, and ever since then has batted near 300 the rest of the season, which again won't show in his overall statistics. But Tristan Casas has really started coming into his own here as one of the best hitters on the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that has just always been on base you know, last season in 27 games in the majors, hit a 20% walk rate. Now, the, the thing that is a little bit alarming is the K rate has hovered around 24, 25% for his career, but it's 14.5% this year. And even with that horrible April, he has a 360 OBP. And the metrics on the StatCast page back it up, David, walk percentage, 96th percentile, barreling the ball in the 92nd percentile, hitting the ball hard, Hard hit percentage, 80th percentile. Max EV, 86. I mean, in a points league, he's great. In a, a, a roto league, you're obviously hoping that he has a little bit more um, counting stats. The Red Sox have actually been more surprising than I think a lot of people pegged them for this year. Vegas had them for 77, 78 wins. And they're on pace for, I think, like 86. So I think a lot of players have been surprising on that team, and Casas included. Yeah, Casas, again, really starting to show why he was one of the top-ranked prospects in baseball. And again, the Red Sox, a little bit underwhelming this year. They have a lot of guys coming up. We actually talked about three Red Sox prospects yesterday on the call-up. They have a bright future ahead of them, and Casas will be a big part of that and, uh, as he I continues mean, to grow into his own. You know, you know, a big thing, too, like you look at the BABIP and just how much that can fluctuate. His BABIP was 208 last year, and it's 304 this year. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see Casas, but again, somebody rest of season, if he's out there in any of your leagues, he's definitely not in 15 or 12 team leagues, but if even in a 10 team league, he might be worth uh, a speculative ad depending on the roster size there. You hear that Marty? If he's a free agent in your 10 team league, get him. That's right. 10 team leagues get the love too, just for our guy, Marty on this show. Let's talk about Matt Walner, who is somebody that many may not be familiar with, but this man, he's got big time power for my Minnesota twins. Over his last seven games, a 320, 393, 720 slash line with three home runs, two walks to 10 strikeouts. He started nine straight games going eight for 31 over that stretch. And overall in the season, a 294 batting average with eight RBI and nine runs scored through 62 plate appearances. The thing with Matt Walner, he is a Joey Gallo clone uh, in terms of what you kind of can expect from him. He's either going to strike out, he's going to walk, or he's going to hit a home run. And obviously, again, people are starting to learn who Matt Walner is. So, again, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a background. He has two home runs. He had a two-homer game yesterday and three home runs over his last few days, over his last uh, two games. All have been over hit over 105 miles per hour. 
Uh, so he hits the ball extremely hard and he had a nearly 30% strikeout rate in the minor leagues, which again, if you're striking out that much in the minors, it usually spells trouble for the bigs. And that's exactly the case. Um, again, he does get in base on base at a nice clip just because he walks a lot, but expect the tr the true three type of outcome player from Matt Walner. He's going to, he hit a bomb yesterday, doc. I don't know if you saw the highlight. He's he bats from the left side. He hit a bomb to left center field from the left side of the plate, like 440. No, I it's haven't seen that. I have to look. It's picture hitting the ball the opposite field. It's like straight, mm -hmm. like pretty much like opposite field, kind of center opposite field, but hitting it 440. Like he fucking, he freaking heard <laughs> <laughs> the ball. Wow. We don't have Arden Marty on for yeah, a week and you're dropping F-bot. Dude, Dude, I, 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 would... I, know, I know you and I do this off air all the time, but do you just drop the professionalism? I, I did for a second just because I was, that's how hyped I was seeing that home run. You have to watch it, Doc. Like he destroyed the baseball in a way, the opposite way that few can do it. So again, if you're looking for some power, Matt Walner is going to give you that. If you're looking for potentially some people to help you on base, again, he does walk a decent amount as well, but uh, just, just be prepared. The batting average could definitely not be an asset for him. It, it's definitely the power if you're, if you're picking up Matt Walner. Uh, but somebody that is exciting in that aspect. Let's move next to another Minnesota twin, one that many are more familiar with than Edward Julian, who I feel like in most leagues was picked up when he was initially promoted and then dropped. And then he picked up again and then dropped and then probably picked up again because over his last 15 games, he's hitting over 400. Well, this would be great that uh, David froze. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. So well, David talking about Edward Julian last 15 games, hitting over 400 with uh, five. And they don't want to take his bat out of the lineup. This is somebody that they want to keep in the lineup. So they're moving Jorge Polanco from second base to third base. So Julian can stay in the lineup. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're talking about, Edward Julian, we're talking about two Minnesota Twins in a row, David. So mm -hmm. uh, your bias is showing there for a little <laughs> bit. Um, Edward Julian, it's interesting because they talked about Jorge Polanco playing second, and now he's going back to third. Julian has started 11 out of 12 games post-All-Star break. So you wonder if he's going to remain an everyday player. Not saying that he, he will be slated to a weak side platoon, but um, to see if he starts that amount um, or that consistency. But, David... He strikes out a lot at 31.5% this year, and this has been a problem in the minors. Even in single A plus in 2021, he was striking out nine or 29 percent of the time. Now he does walk at a good clip, but also the Babip 416 this year. I think this is a guy that has been kind of riding the hot stretch. It kind of goes in line with the twins. The twins have the most strikeout in the majors. I feel like they're very much all or nothing, sell out for power or strike out. And I think Julian is going to be good because he's a middle infielder that will give you some pop. But I do think that you have to be kind of wary, especially in points leagues about adding him. Yeah. But again, somebody I, I do think is really coming into his own and will probably be universally rostered at this point, the way he's been hitting. Let's now move to Marco Luciano, who actually just made his major league debut last night. Oh, for two. 
uh, but did have a ball, his first ball hit to the warning track before he was replaced by Jock Peterson in the fifth inning of the game yesterday. His minor league stats, 235 batting average, 13 homers, 35 RBIs, six stolen bases, 39 walks to 80 strikeouts. He was promoted to AAA on July 18th and actually played six only six games with AAA before they brought him up to the San Francisco Giants. He was hitting 292 with two homers, two doubles, and three walks over that time. The, the main reason to me that they brought Marco Luciano up is the Giants had scored 11 runs over their previous six games before they brought him up. They are really struggling offensively, and they're looking for a spark in any way, shape, or form at this point. And Mark Luciano has a lot of power. Obviously, the batting average isn't a lot to be desired, and this is a former uh, one of the best prospects in baseball who's really floundered over the last few years. Uh, but again, the, the Giants are kind of looking for kind of an inf just like injecting, infusing power, or infusing just some youth and uh, someone that can maybe pick this team up offensively. I don't know if Luciano is going to be somebody that is worth an ad per se, but it's how much he struggled in the minor leagues. Even the short sample in AAA doesn't wow me. Uh, but again, he could be someone you can make a speculative ad in a 15-team league. I just don't think I would take a shot in any league that's smaller than that. I think I'm very still underwhelmed by his production overall and somebody I think has a lot of holes in his game as well. I mean, it's worked as the team has won two in a row. They had lost six before. And I think the Giants, a lot of people coming into the season didn't think that they would be competitive, but um, they're still leading by half a game for the NL wild card, the first spot. So mm -hmm. they're going to continue playing him, you know, whether he's producing or not, sometimes managers just don't tinker with lineups that are working. You know, if you look at the Reds, Joey Gallo or Joey Votto is hitting 186 and they could certainly put in someone that has a better batting average, but if they've been winning at the clip they have, you know, why kind of mess it up? So yeah, just something interesting to look at with Luciano. All right, then. So let's talk about our last player of the night, then, and Will Benson. Doc, he's a personal favorite of you and I. Over his last seven games, hitting 300, a 417 OBP, and 750 slug. Two homers, seven RBIs, four runs, four walks, nine strikeouts, and two steals over that time. He hit 318 with seven homers and 10 steals and a 1022 OPS um, since May 21st, all included with a 425 on base percentage. And a cool thing here is he'd been sitting against left-handed pitching. Well, he's actually played against lefties in two of his last three games. So he's actually getting the chance to play more against lefties. He's been really turning it on since the end of May. And Doc, me and you have been screaming Will Benson privately and just texting from the heavens for a while now. And the Reds, I think, are finally giving him a chance for all the other guys they have here, Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean and all the other Reds that get a lot of hype. He kind of falls through the cracks, but he's been a really good hitter. He has been. And one of the things that's encouraging, as you mentioned, that he's playing against lefties now. And they've now been sitting Joey Votto against lefties if they're going to um, sit a left-handed bat. So I really love that about him. Um, and with CES, that's just another great hitter in the lineup. And even though Will Benson is hitting ninth, they kind of do that so that uh, Ellie hits one. So if Will Benson gets on base and he has the 90s or he's in the 90th percent of sprint speed, Ellie can hit for power. Ellie can hit for um, an average. I know he's been striking out a lot recently, but you have two electric guys on the base pass back to back. So I love that Will Benson's getting the playing time. 
He has 26 runs in 56 games. He has 10 steals. Yes, he is striking out over 28% of the time, but he's walking at a 14% clip. And I'm liking what I see out of him. I think he's someone that isn't owned in nearly enough leagues. He's probably owned in all 15 team leagues, but available in probably a lot of 12. Yeah. Uh, Benson, I think, is somebody, again, very underrated at this point and um, is somebody that is probably not going to be rostered anything, I would say, more than 15-team leagues, but he's definitely still showing that he is... You, uh, you want to know my nickname for him? What's that? The Fenson Benson, because he's fighting off that playing time. Where have I heard that? Fenson Benson. Was that from my Carly when he was fencing? Oh, you're good. Oh, yeah. Look at that, David. Oh, man. I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, it only took us 17 minutes to have a brother reference. There we go. Have you seen Have you seen any of the reboot from iCarly or no? I haven't. I was tempted to like see it, but I've seen clips on YouTube. It looks really stupid. I have to watch Zoe 102 also. That's but that's they're on Paramount Plus. We don't have Paramount Plus. We have to illegally stream it. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I have a I got Hulu TV, so I have Disney Plus, Hulu TV, and Netflix, and then like a few other, and then ESPN Plus now because that comes with it. Um, so it, I have a lot of these, but I don't have Paramount, and I'm like kind of a South Park's on Paramount. Uh, there's a few other shows on there too, but. I have to see Zoe 102. That's a must. Like it came out today, so I was thinking of when we're done, seeing if I could find it. We'll do it. We'll let, we'll uh, put it in the, in the description if we find it. Everybody, <laughs> Zoe 102, the, the the illegal stream where you could find it. All right, our most added players from the last week. Sal Freelick tops the list, added in 35 percent of leagues. Edward Julian, Chaz McCormick, Alex Kirilov, Logan Allen, C.J. Abrams, Wilmer Flores, and Tristan Casas. The most dropped players over the last week. Uh, taken over the top spot is my guy Emmett Sheehan, dropped in 15% of leagues. Scott McGuff, 14%. Joey Votto, Mike Soroka, Jared Kelnick, Colton Kowser, Drew Smiley, and Braxton Garrett are your most dropped players. Of David. All I'm going to say is that Emmett Sheehan will never be on one of my teams again. Keep him. I know he had a horrible outing when you picked him up, but you, he was going against Texas. So what did you expect? He was going against Texas without Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia. It doesn't matter. Texas is still really good. <laughs> I, come on. Come on. I, I, Jonah Himes, the top catcher in baseball right now. Marcus Simeon, still Marcus Simeon. Josh Young is extremely underrated. Ezekiel Duran's a beast. Like, there's still a really good lineup. I don't know why you did that. Come on. Did you expect him to get bombed in like 2.2 innings and give up the way he's been pitching? Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that hadn't pitched above double A, really. Like, I mean, he, he still has a lot to work on. I think his future is still really bright. Jeez. I mean, let me tell you, his future might be bright, but it won't be on my team. That's for sure. Uh, you, it was your fault picking him up against the Rangers of all teams. I, again, take like he's not like he had been good the last few outings either. Whatever. Right. Whatever. Schedule for next week. If you're listening to the podcast, the only things you should take note of is that the Detroit Tigers and the Oakland Athletics play five games next week. Everybody else is going to play six or seven. So in terms of making lineup decisions, you might just have to double think your Detroit Tigers or Oakland A's. But to be honest, not many people are starting any of the, either of those teams. So I would say your lineups are probably safe to just do your normal lineup making decisions next week.
Doc, why don't you take us to the doctor's office and talk about your streamers? You know what? Not really proud to talk about them this week. Um, but I got to be transparent. Last week between um, Kyle Bradish and Braxton Garrett, we went 0-2 with a 10.76 ERA, a 1.74 whip, and eight strikeouts in 9.2 innings. It's not going to get it done. Mm -hmm. And I own full responsibility, and those will go uh, to – uh, my record at the end of the year, but we're feeling a little bit better this year. And I never thought I would be talking about Austin Gomber, Gombi, as as a streamer. But here we are, owning three point six percent of ESPN leagues. He's allowed two earned or fewer in five out of six starts. He's actually looking like the piece that the uh, Cardinals gave up for Nolan Arenado. And it would be crazy if Nolan Arenado gets traded and then the Rockies look like they're uh, getting the best end of the bargain. But during that stretch, a three ERA, a 1.06 whip, 22 to two K to walk, three home runs allowed spanning across 36 innings. And David, I don't know if you know this, Austin Gomber hasn't walked anyone in his last four starts. Oh, wow. So I definitely, if I decide to ever bet the uh, underwalks, no, I was going to say that uh, the first, Pitch at the bat to be a ball or strike. I should probably always bet a strike with him. You should. It's about as money as you can be with the walks is betting George Kirby's unders. But if you look, he's facing the athletics, and I know it's in core, so there's always that risk. But the athletics are hitting 217 post-All-Star game, and they do have the worst road record in the majors. So something just to pay attention to. Looking at Logan T. Allen, owned in 17.3% of ESPN League's and got a little roughed up last game, but before that, 12.2 shutout innings, no home runs allowed. Now, that was over three starts, so he wasn't going super deep into games. But still, good swing and miss material. Obviously, maybe a guy that doesn't go super late into games, even though he did go seven innings against the Royals and gave up four earned in his last outing. Um, but what I like about him is three out of his four pitchers have a 235 batting average or below the fastball, the sweeper and the change. So you just really hope he doesn't throw the cutter. That pitch has been getting killed, but it's his least thrown pitch. And he's facing the white Sox. who look, the white Sox could be sellers. And obviously Dylan Cease is a name on the market, but he got kind of roughed up tonight, giving up for earned Tim Anderson could be on the block. I don't think there's anybody on that team minus Luis Robert. That is hundred percent safe. So, he could be facing a very depleted White Sox lineup. Yeah. And the, and the last, and I really can't believe we have, have a Detroit Tiger and a Colorado Rocky on here, but we have the aforementioned Tariq Skubal, owned in 20.9% of ESPN leagues. He is coming back from injury, but what's encouraging is the pitch count is going up each outing. He topped out at 82 last game against the Giants. And that was by far his best game of the season. He had nine strikeouts over five shutout innings. He hasn't allowed an earned run in three out of his last four or three out of his first four outings. He did get roughed up in the other one. But in those three that he hasn't give up, given up a run, he's allowed five or more or given had five or more Ks. And the Marlins are two and eight in their last 10. They have really been sputtering post All-Star break. And even before that, when they optioned Yuri Perez, that just seemed like it was something bigger. Could be. I, I um, want to shout out our guy Forrest in the chat. 
He said the show doesn't get the love deserved. Force, you got to spread it to your friends. Go on their phones and download the podcast to their phones. Spread, spread it like a communicable disease. Exactly, man. Force, you're our guy, man. Uh, and they don't have they they got to come around, get some taste, and come around here uh, more often. I also think a lot of people have checked out because fantasy football is right around the corner now that it's about to be August. So. People aren't watching as much fantasy baseball, but of course, you guys know every week we're going to still be here regardless. Um, but we do appreciate everybody that does tune in to the stream and that does comment on the live chat each week. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little, but we're here regardless. Right, Doc? Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, so he's mentioning lefties that the White Sox have. They Lucky have, hitters? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh Moncada's a left or Moncada's a switch hitter, right? He is. And um, then Ben Attendee's a lefty, right? I'm pretty sure he's a righty. Um, I'm double checking right now. Yeah, that is. I, I, Eloy's a righty. No, Ben Attendee's a lefty. Oh, he is. Okay. Ta is uh, a righty. Ben Attendee's a lefty. Grandal's a switch hitter. Moncada's a switch hitter. Oscar Colas is a lefty. That's that's about it. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a good portion of their lineup. Robert and nobody's Eloy good, Nobody's righties. good in that. Moncada is not good. Benintendi has no power. Grandal's okay. And Colas is still a rookie and hasn't produced this season. Remember when you and I were, like, super hyped about Andrew Benintendi, like, three years ago? Yeah, dude, that was the guy a few years ago. You and ago. I took a collective L on him. We did. Although he's had a long career. Yeah, it's a long career for somebody that had like probably one and a half good seasons. Yeah, and uh, Forrest is going to start Logan. I agree. I, I I started him for his two starts this week against. He had the Royals his first start, and now the White Sox now. So, um, definitely somebody that. And and while mentioning the Royals, if if any righty's playing the Royals, you've got to play them because the Royals have been horrible against right-handed pitching. Twins and Mariners are also striking out a ton against righties. So if you have a righty going against the Twins or the Mariners, take the over on the strikeout props. Because right I, now... it was I think it was Luis Castillo and Pablo Lopez, and it was just a K-fest watching that game. George Kirby had nine Ks against the Twins in four innings. He got lit up, but he got nine strikeouts in four innings. I, I feel like that's such a... Not just George Kirby's line in general, but when a pitcher gets like nine strikeouts like that, but they get hit, it's like... You're getting a lot of swing and miss, or you're commanding the strike zone. But when you're not striking out hitters, you're getting hit. It's like both. It's like the in-betweens. It's crazy. Yeah, it is interesting, those type of outings. Um, I actually, Doc, have you been making any baseball bets? Uh, I've been doing George Kirby under one and a half walks for a lot. And I've been doing pitchers to not get the wins that I don't think are going to do it. And I did bet that Anthony Desclafani doesn't get a win. I got a little bit of redemption, not as much as the three <laughs> digits that I bet before, but I, I got a little bit. Yeah, baseball has not been good to me betting wise this year. Uh, I've been had a lot of bad beats. A lot of them there were like a few three homers guys that I called, and two of them hit a homer. Uh, there was what I would be able to, what I would do to hit one person somewhat consistently. The strikeout props have been, I think the most brutal to me because there have been a few times I've done like a three or four leg strikeout prop and three of them hit. And then the fourth one missed it by one strikeout or like the one recently where I had a five legger strikeout prop to win $1,300. 
and Logan Webb had needed five and he had two through 1.1 innings, but he got lit up by the nationals and gave up like six earned and they didn't even complete two innings for anyone that has this um, barstool allows you to kind of pick the prop. So if, if Logan Webb strikeout is five and a half on most sites, you can do four and a half, but you could also do like six and a half or seven and a half. Now, obviously the odds do reflect that, mm-hmm. but um, that's something that I've liked to do is David, you know, I bet unders 95% of the time. And if I'm really confident on an under, I'll, I'll be okay taking a worse line, but to get it at a higher number. If somebody's listening to the show tonight, please, please, somebody have the balls to go and make a bet on first pitch outcome if it to be a strike or a ball and just do it just for the fun of it. Like if you see, like, let's say, um, let's say like someone like, uh, we were talking about George Kirby. Let's say he's pitching to Carlos Santana and be like, all right, uh, so when George Kirby pitches the top of the second inning, Carlos Santana is going to be the first guy to bat. I'm going to put $10 on it to be a ball or $10 to be a strike. Just just for the instant thrill of to see if it's a ball or a David, strike. David, do you remember uh, this was back in like 2013, 2014? It was like over 80 at-bats. Kurt Suzuki took a first pitch. I think so, yeah. Yeah, imagine if that was around then, and you're like, well, I know he's not swinging. But that's so. like, so I was looking at Stephen Kwan the other day because he leads the American League and first pitch uh, taken strike or first pitch not swinging, uh, lowest percentage of first pitch swinging pitches. Um, it was like 10%. And but then with that, obviously, they're probably not going to swing, but then pitchers might know that and they throw them a strike to start because they're like, okay, they're going to probably take the first pitch. And the heat, sure enough, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If they know Kurt Suzuki isn't going to swing, they might just give him a strike knowing that it's going to be a free one. So like, that's interesting though. So like I, I thought about it and I was like, I would never do this, but I was like, what if you put a thousand dollars and you did that like five or six times a night and you would hit it consistently. You could easily make like a few thousand dollars every night just on ball or strikes. It's it's you talk about it like it's a given, but there's absolutely no way to predict it. But because something could be in play also, we're talking about like they're they don't have the option, you know, it's a coin flip. But really there's three outcomes that come with that. Yeah, and I mean there are three outcomes list or four that they list for if you do a ball or strike, then it's uh single or it's an extra base hit. Oh, okay. Um, they don't even do it in play. Um, but most of the time, most, I mean, there are first pitch things in play. Like Mauricio Dubon is a, is a good first pitch in play. And same with, um, uh, Rendifo for the, the angels. They, what like- I, what I think is interesting too, and I don't know if you've ever done this or anybody that is listening, but you can bid on next pitch speed. So sometimes if I see somebody yeah. has thrown two fastballs, you know, they adjust that a little bit, but, um, to see, okay, maybe they throw an off speed now because they usually have it what the fastball average velocity was during that game. They're pretty in tune to baseball savant. I'll look and I'll say like Garrett Cole's average fastball is 96.7. And then I'll look on the the prop and it's like 96.7. And I'm like, yeah, they're they're hip to like they're they're like definitely caught up to those types of things that measure it pretty well. It's interesting. This is our first season doing the podcast while gambling has been legal. And I feel like that has honestly changed our analysis a little bit or like what we're paying attention to, because these are experts that make these lines. And that's sometimes how we're predicting a team is going to do what, you know, their season over unders 
Um, you know, how many wins they're projected for, how many counting stats players are projected for, home runs, RBIs, wins, strikeouts, because these are what Vegas, you know, gives us. And that, I don't know, it's just interesting how gambling has taken so much of our time, David. It's something you and I talk about frequently, almost every day. And it and just like how in tune it is with the game, like you said. Yeah, I mean, people that play fantasy, there's a big crossover to people that also do betting where obviously where it's legal because if you're spending the time with fantasy analysis, you're also dabbling into that side of things. I even, to be completely honest, like I still play fantasy baseball. Obviously we talk about it every week, but I pay a lot more attention to gambling stuff when it comes to baseball. Like again, seeing, you know, okay, look at the swish analytics and seeing like batter versus pitcher matchups, looking at people's ISOs over the last couple of weeks, uh, looking at, you know, what a pitcher's K percentage is, um, or like a team's K percentages against that same handed pitcher. If I'm looking at strikeout props, like there's a lot of things like that, that do tie in you could tie into fantasy. It's like, okay, I'm going to stream this player because the Royals, uh, have a, you know, the worst Woba against right-handed pitching this season. Um, but like you could tie that in, but you get, obviously you're getting a lot more bang for your buck in the sense that you're, you're getting a lot of more money if you're using that analysis towards betting and so and it's, same it's thing you're prospect. putting your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. and uh definitely like my foot i was my football success is definitely was a lot higher and baseball is a little bit more up and down for me for sure uh but it, it's still always doing the same type of research and that those types of decisions and the research can help make you a better fantasy player as well Th- this is the one thing i'll kind of wrap out this segment with is when you play fantasy, whether you're in, you know, a, an NFBC league like we are with 15 other or 14 other people, or you're doing a head-to-head league, you know, some sometimes you can just it's unfortunate if you're the second top score and you play the top score, or somebody you're playing against just has a ridiculous week and it's nothing you can control. You have control in everything that you gamble on because ultimately you're deciding what you want to wager on and how much. Now, obviously, you don't have much uh, same or as much as uh, say in the outcome, but at least you're controlling the action. Yeah, I will say too. I think also betting is kind of killed DFS a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed that too. For I feel sure. like I, I feel like DFS is still around, but it's not in the same capacity since betting became legal in a lot more places. And it's because you're competing against yourself. You're not competing against a field of what could be a, a couple people to a few hundred to a few thousand. I think best ball is kind of that I'm competing against a whole field of people, but like the DFS angle, it's again, DFS is still very much around. And, but and best really ball is during the preseason when kind of like the hype is building up. Yeah. You know, we talk about how, you know, week, week 18, we're talking about it now and the fantasy baseball interest has died out. It's a long season. It's a grind. Most or most seasons are 21 weeks, the hype is really before the season starts. And that's like what best ball captures. And then, like you said, in season, everybody's kind of in tune at the beginning, but you know, the amount of things that you can gamble on is really attention grabbing. Anything that you can think of, you Mm -hmm. can probably place a wager on. It's very interesting for sure. Uh, why don't we close out the the show, Doc? Talk about some of the trades that have happened too, just for the fantasy side of things as well. Uh, first one, let's talk about Carlos Santana going to the Milwaukee Brewers. Is this something or nothing to you? It's something. 
Carlos Santana has been on a tear recently. He's an on-base machine. He doesn't strike out at a high clip. He provides veteran leadership. And I think he's going to be kind of that rowdy Telez, you know, that that uh, the guy that plays first base, DH, has some power. Um, and you know what? It's interesting because the Pirates were doing rel- really well at the beginning of the season, and then they have really, really sputtered, except against the Padres, where I needed them to do bad. And obviously there is gambling associated with that, if you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice. But I think they got him for relatively cheap. They're winning the division. And I think baseball, more than any sport, if you get in the playoffs, you can make a run. Yeah. I mean, Carlos Santana over his last seven games, hitting nearly 270, Two, uh, 367 OBP. He's got three home runs, so he's hot at the right time. Uh, he is usually not going to play as much against lefties, just if you're looking at that platoon splits. Even though the batting average isn't that significant, he has had only 108 play appear- 108 plate appearances this season against lefties compared to 285 versus righties. Two of his 12 home runs have come against lefties. It's not like he's a strict platoon player. He will play against lefties for sure. But I can imagine a team like the Brewers, they're probably going to mix and match him more than a team like the Pirates who would just probably play him almost every day. Uh, but he's, again, definitely hot at the right time, and he's definitely going to help that lineup. So, again, Rowdy Telez was supposed to do that this season at first base, and Santana, I think, is going to help pick up the slack there. Somebody definitely increases value. What about the big trade of Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez to the Angels in exchange for Edgar Cuero and Kai Bush, Doc? I don't understand it. I think the Angels are hoping Otani resigns there. It'll be interesting to see how much money they're willing to shell out. That kind of dampered the trade deadline. Everything was revolving around if Otani was going to get traded. I'm not surprised the White Sox traded Giolito. I thought that he would be the one that would be going if they traded anyone overseas. But you know, they're, they're still four and a half games back. I understand they just swept the Tigers and they've won four in a row, so they're getting hot at the right time. They also must have news that Trout is expected back sooner than that six to eight week time span. Yeah, I mean, I put a tweet out this morning and I said there are seven games behind the Rangers and four games behind the Astros. Seven games for the wild card or for the division, four games for the wild card. So they're not out of it yet per se, but this basically signified they weren't going to trade Otani. And you can look at this to me as like a glass half full or a glass half empty. The angels are looking at this as a glass half full. They're saying, we're going to go for it one more time with our current roster. We're going to be optimistic. Otani is going to resign here. If he sees we're going for it, maybe we make the playoffs and that will cement him staying here. Uh, And that's fine. And I I can get maybe for your fan base that you don't want to show you're giving up the same time. The Angels are not going to win the World Series. The Angels are very much, to me, an outside chance of even making the playoffs. You have one of the worst farm systems in all of baseball, and you gave up your two of your best players in your farm system. I want to shout out Vinny down on the farm because he was in our group chat saying they only have, I think, like three players now in the top, like 250, 250 of prospects ranked. Uh, it's just they're gutting what they don't have a lot of. And at this point, it's like, you're not one or two pieces away from, you know, being a world series contender. So like at this point, it's to me more of a backward move than a forward move. And if Otani leaves after the season, maybe you wouldn't have gotten a full trade value for him because he's basically a rental, 
but you would have gotten some pieces to help rebuild the farm system and start building ahead. Then maybe you trade Mike Trout and just hit the reset button because right now this ain't working. And I, you're just dragging this out. I would have loved to see the offers they got for Otani because we didn't really hear anything serious. Like if you look on when they had the lines up on DraftKings, and maybe they still do, but obviously the odds are a lot more favored in Otani of the other teams that he was rumored to go to because we didn't hear anything heavy. So maybe teams weren't right. This is the one thing I can see the Angels holding on to Otani, maybe not giving up as much as they did for Giolito. But if you didn't get a good offer for Otani, because it's not like these deals are made in private. They're made in public for everybody to see. That could be a huge turnoff to the fan base if you got pennies on the dollar because teams aren't willing to give up a lot for a second-half rental. So that could be the case I see of why they kept him. Um, and I guess Giolito is the second best starter on the market to Cease, right? Uh, I don't think Cease is a free agent, though. I mean, no, uh, no, but I'm, I'm talking about that was rumored to be in in like in trade talks because Cease had been in there, Giolito, um, Marcus Stroman, Jordan Montgomery. I mean, probably. Um, but the thing is, Giolito's a rental. He's a free agent after the season's over and ceases under contract. So, I mean, they also, again, they're trading for half a season of Giolito, who probably doesn't even sign back there, <laughs> to be honest. So, like, the Angels angels could be very well, a very realistic outcome for the Angels could be you lose Otani in free agency, you don't make the playoffs, and you lose Lucas Giolito after the season's over. And you're left. And you're with, still stuck with the Rendon contract. You're still stuck with the Rendon contract. Mike Trout's contract's becoming really bad too because he's missed a lot of time with injuries, and he's making one of the second or third most amount of money in baseball behind Harper and um or behind Tatis is making a lot. This is when the first year of his contract kicked in. He's still in the top five, I think. In in AAV. Harper Mookie Mookie's making yeah. a lot of money. Scherzer like, and Verlander are making 40 plus mil each this year, but they're shorter deals. Trout's signed to like 2030. Yeah. And like it, he's Trout's still good, but he's got getting injured all the time. And Can that you imagine con- how angry Trout would have been if they traded Otani and not him? <laughs> the angels, man, they're in trouble. They need to, they don't have an identity to me, especially like once Otani's leaves there, which I think it's a matter of when and not if, um, they're not going to have any type of identity. So, again, I I understand what why they did what they did. I just don't think that's the right way to go about it at this point. It's easy for me to me and you to say because we're just two random guys that are podcasting, but that's a lot of pressure from the front office. Like they're they're talking about um I, I forgot the name of the Angels GM, but it was a career defining. Like if he had traded Otani, that would have been his career defining move. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. And I think it's one of those things he probably just said, I don't want to go through that. And I don't want to the backlash of showing I'm basically giving up on the team, which that's the only argument I can you can make for it is like if you do that, it basically shows you're giving up on the season and you're giving up on the team contending anytime soon because giving up a talent like that, you're basically saying we're throwing in the towel. And that it's it's might hurt his job security. If he, you know, he might buy more time as a GM showing that he's actually making a move willing to go all in the owner might appreciate that more than, you know, selling. And, and with any trade with Otani, I'm sure the owner has to sell off. You don't trade 
the best baseball player of all time without getting the person who's writing the checks approval. Yeah. And Forrest outlines it. Well, you're not getting a crazy deal for half a season. So like yeah, say that second part, <laughs> you're not getting a crazy deal for half a season. So that's, I guess, ultimately they decided it wasn't worth it. So that happened also a little bit less significant. The Dodgers and guardians swapped Noah Syndergaard and cash considerations for Ahmed Rosario. How is Noah Syndergaard still in the league, Doc? Because he's been awful. Nah, I, it's it's got to be his reputation or he has dirt on someone. Let me just say, Xander Bogarts wouldn't have gotten traded midseason. No. <laughs> I know where you're going for that. Uh, Syndergaard, if the Dodgers couldn't fix him, I don't think there's any hope for him. I don't think he even finishes the season with the Guardians, to be honest with you. I think they'll cut him before the season's over. I, I think so, too. I think it was just... Swap in a name. The Guardians kind of too. They're in that middle ground territory where they're potentially fighting for a division, maybe a wild card spot. But And Ahmed Rosario, I believe, is a free agent after the season's over. So this is, again, not really necessarily a long-term move for either team. And obviously, Noah Syndergaard is not signed past this season either. Um, and then I believe the only other significant trade, there may be two more, Twins and Marlins swapping Jorge Lopez for Dylan Floro. I think the only thing is they're both underwhelming relievers that had had decent seasons earlier last year. And then once Lopez got to the twins was awful. Floro started out the year pretty good and then became awful. Uh, Jorge Lopez is signed for one more year under team control and Floro is a free agent. I think that's the only advantage for the Marlins in this deal, but I think it's pretty much, Hey, both of them are not doing well. Let's see if change of scenery works for them. I agree. I don't think we need to spend more time talking about mediocre relievers. All right, then. I believe there might have been one more trade. I mean, F1 hurt his knee, um, so he's getting an MRI on that. Uh, I think that might be... Uh, all the, there's a lot of rumors out there, but that might be the, all the trades that have gone down since like there was Lance Lynn rumors for a little bit. Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers is still getting floated around a little bit. Padres it's been and- an underwhelming trade deadline so far. We have four more days, four and a half more days. I need a little bit more action. I think there will be. Things are rumors are going around right now, but there'll be more added in. Well, so. you know what, I, I David, I actually disagree with that, and I guess we'll end the show on a disagreement. Um, I think the teams that were rumored to be sellers, Angels, Cubs, uh, potentially Marlins. Like a lot of these teams have come out hot after the all-star break. You know, you thought Cody Bellinger might be on the block and he's uh, the Cubs have won six straight now. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's as many sellers out there as we thought. Give me a name that you think gets traded. Lance Lynn. I'll say Cody Bellinger. You think Cody Bellinger gets traded still? Yeah, I think he goes. I, do, to, I think I'm, he does too, honestly. I think he goes to the Diamondbacks. Oh, you listened to our show and Vinny last week. Yeah, I, I think I agree with him. Especially he's from Arizona. I think it'd be a good move. They, the Cubs would be stupid, in my opinion, not to trade him because he's been down the last few seasons. He's coming back, had a really great year. He's a free agent after the season's over. Why not flip him right now? They're, yeah, they're not going to sign him to that big deal. Exactly. So I, I, I would be see. I would be interested to see what he is going to get on the market though, because I don't think a team would give him a five or six year deal. 
I would see him making a three year, like 90 million, like something that's shorter where he's getting paid, but yeah. Um, Doc, anything else to add for the good of the group before we wrap up for the night? No, just uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Let us know if you're liking our betting content. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that on the show. And uh, give me and David a a juicy parlay that we should do together. Eric and I were talking about doing doing two-leg parlays where we each do a pick and do a collab. And... uh, See if we can see if we can uh the brother collab can actually do something in the betting. And you streets. know what? I'd say David and I are above average gamblers. Yeah, again, recently it's been very cold for me, and I haven't bet as much baseball as I did earlier in the season. But um that's probably because of real life things going on right now. Um but too much for Cody. All right, three or seventy five, twenty five mil a year. That's more realistic. You think that's what he's getting? I think a three-year deal. I don't think anything more than that. I think three-year in the 20 to 25 AAV. Nobody's going to give him a five- or six-year deal unless they can get him for 20 mil or less. I'll I'll say he gets a two-year 30. Okay. But, um, yeah, anyway, if you guys are enjoying the content, please make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel if you're not already. Set a notification bell. So that way, every time on Thursday evenings when we go live, you guys never miss the show. It's usually Thursdays around 9.15 p.m. Eastern time every week. Next week, we should have Marty Party and a little cheesecake back. Doc probably will not be here, but we will have at least three of us for next week. Again, once we get kind of closer to the end of the season, it's a little bit harder to get everybody here because there's a lot of stuff going on right now towards the end of the summer. But um we are appreciative for those that do come out and watch the show or listen to the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. We actually have not missed a show in four years of doing this. Crazy enough. We have done a show every week for four years. We're that dedicated to make sure that we're here every week for you guys. Um, and if there's anything you would like to see in the future, just make sure you guys, you can DM us on Twitter. You can send an email to tripplayfantasy at gmail.com. Yeah, the email, man. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Just let us know what future content you'd like to see. But your support is greatly appreciated for Doc. I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week. Until then, we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.